Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about resource guarding. What is resource guarding? How do we prevent it? How do we fix it? And how do we make sure it never happens again? Okay. So the first thing we have to understand is what the hell is resource guarding? Uh, some people just know it as aggression, right? Aggression is a very broad term. There's so many different types of aggression depending on who you ask. There could be 40 types of aggression. There could be 14 types of aggression. Some people just call them drives that happen to be overly stimulated. Either way you look at it, resource guarding is the biological purpose that there is a need to protect and maintain the resources at stake. There is a limited number of resources, and the individual feels that they need to protect it. Okay, Think about somebody protecting their house. There is a limited resource of that house, th this house, and they've worked very hard to maintain it and keep it. And so they protect it at all costs. People put up cameras, they put up security systems, they have guns in their house. They tell their neighbors, hey, let me know if there's anything going on. We've, we've built communities around protecting everybody's home. Resource guarding. They are guarding a particular resource because there is a finite resource available. So what does that look like in a dog? Typically, it comes out in food, toys, or other types of treats. Okay, it can be taught for random items, and sometimes it doesn't need to be taught for random items. Dog could resource guard a water bottle or a TV remote. There's also resource guarding when it comes down to maternity. Okay, so being pregnant. A dog that is in heat or is in a pseudo-pregnancy, which sometimes happens, will resource guard items because they think they need to bring things together to make it safe for their babies. And it is a vicious, <laughs> it is a vicious type of resource guarding. And it will typically go away once the babies are old enough, where the mom doesn't need to protect them as much. Now, if you have a pseudo-pregnancy, that is the worst, in my opinion, because there is no reason the dog should be doing it, besides there's a chemical imbalance in the brain because they think they are pregnant and they are not. And they resource guard like hell because they have to keep all of these things together. I've known dogs that have resource guarded TV remotes. They've brought it over to where they've developed a space where they think they're going to have their puppies, and they will bite anybody who comes within 10 feet of that space. That is not the same treatment plan or training plan as a dog that's just resource guarding food. So this podcast is not going to go into that. If you are experiencing that or you, you think you might be experiencing that, call your veterinarian, talk to them about... Um, what you guys can do, there's a whole slew of things that have to happen in order to fix that kind of stuff. So that that is just pseudo-pregnancy or pregnancy resource guarding. But in the terms of regular resource guarding, where your dog is just being a jerk, <laughs> if you will, right? You gave them something, you worked hard, you bought the food, you gave it to They're not doing anything for it. You gave them something, and now they're going to bite you for it. So how do we go about preventing this in the first place. Now, I talked about this in the puppy biting podcast, but essentially, sometimes it's taught. The old advice that was given was, okay, when your dog is eating, play with them. Touch their legs, their paws, their tail, their ears. And because they're eating, you're making a positive association. Well, not always. What can happen is the dog becomes tense. They tense up, they become tight. They become rigid. You can actually feel it in their muscles. And because we know muscle tone is a, one of the steps of reading a dog, it's an indication, we know that it could lead to something else. 
So if we look into it, we say, okay, well, my dog is tense when I'm touching them while they're eating. And the second I remove the tension, my hands, that their tension releases and they go back to eating normally. When this happens every day, every mealtime, over and over and over again, your dog learns that being tense is the way to get you to back up. It doesn't mean that your dog doesn't trust you necessarily, but they've been taught that becoming tense, becoming rigid, becoming prepared is the way to get you to back up. When you do this over and over and over again, eventually it's going to escalate. The dog doesn't get tired of you doing it. They just, they want you to stop quicker, right? Especially if you're on a, a training plan where you're going to touch them longer and longer every day, just a little bit to get them used to being touched. So now they go, okay, well, clearly being tense wasn't working. You weren't stopping because I was tense. So how am I going to get you to back up now? Maybe I'll growl. Maybe I'll raise my lip. And maybe you see it. Maybe you don't. So if they raise their lip and you don't see it, but you let go, just coincidentally, which does happen, then they go, awesome. Becoming tense and raising my lip is a great way to get you to back away from me so I can enjoy my meal in peace. This process keeps going and going and going. Lip curl turns into both lips and full bearing of teeth, then turns into growling, then turns into snapping, then turns into full-on biting you the second you get close. And if this keeps going, if you keep trying to go through this process of teaching your dog to be okay with resource guarding, I'm sorry, if you go through this process of teaching your dog to be okay with handling, then full resource guarding will emerge. Now, the severity of resource guarding is determined by how far the individual has to be in order for the dog to feel comfortable. So if my dog was eating and they were a resource guarder, if I was five feet away from them, that's pretty far. Okay, That means the second I step within five feet, they're lunging at me. That means they are leaving their resource to attack me. Okay, the severity is huge there. Now, there are some dogs where it's even further. You can be 20 feet away, and they think they should come out and bite you. Okay, why is that bad? They are leaving the resource that they are so heavily protecting in order to attack you and then come back to their resource. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. If they were on top of their resource and they would just snap and then come back to their resource, it means they're not going to leave their resource behind. It's not important enough for them to leave the actual resource. It is so important for them to go out and bite you. Think about soldiers. Okay, Their homeland, their house is so important to them. The safety of their family is so important to them. They would go thousands of miles across the world 
to protect the freedoms and values of their home. That's insane. That is an insane amount of resource guarding. They're like, I don't even want you to come close to my family, so I will go to you. Right? I don't even I don't want you within this radius of the thing that I am trying to protect. So much so that I'm going to go to you and stop you from coming over here. So what do we do? Right? If if your dog is at that level, what do you do? Well, first you should hire a trainer. Okay? Any anytime you're dealing with aggression, you should have a trainer. They have more experience than you. Not to say that you don't know what you're doing, but frankly you don't. Okay. You can listen to all the podcasts in the world. I could give you all the information in the world. But until I understand the exact nuances of your situation, there's no way I could help you fully. I can give you, I can give you all the advice, and you will get 80% of the way there. But that 20%, that important 20%, you need somebody to just say, okay, this small thing that you're doing right there that nobody else is going to pick up on, that small thing you're doing is making all the difference, is why it's taking so long is why your dog is fine in this scenario, but not in that scenario, right? There's there's so many tiny nuances that if you don't know to look for, you're just not going to see them. So let's say you have your dog and they're resource guarding at a foot. Okay, that's not so bad. 10 feet, a lot worse. The first thing you have to do is teach them that you're not a threat, okay? You are not here to steal. You are not here to beat them for their resource. You're not going to fight them. Certainly not. You're certainly not going to fight them. Okay. If you think that fighting them is the answer, you're going to have a bad day. <laughs> you're going to have a rough time. Okay. I knew a trainer. We were working with a golden. Imagine a golden resource guarding. Right. Now everybody thinks about the old Cesar Milan resource guarding thing when I say a golden resource guarding. But so this tiny little golden, I'm going to say he was seven months old. I think he was seven or eight months old. And he started resource guarding pretty bad. Not very far. The distance was probably two to three feet. But a trainer decided to fight him. Basically said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat him to the toy with thick gloves on so he can't bite me. And I'm going to hold on to it until he gave up. And we're just going to do this over and over and over again until he realizes I am not one to mess with. So the trainer did this over and over and over and over again. The dog ended up being like, okay, fine. I'm not going to fight you anymore. However, (laughs) instead of fighting, instead of going the distance, because he just got tired of doing it, the dog would swallow the object. Now you could imagine a golden who loves to investigate everything because he's seven months old and has resource guarding where he will swallow the object, you can see how bad that's going to go, right? I mean, it's just, it's it's not going to end well. Well, anyway, the owners that came in and said, hey, you know, he resource guarded socks the other day. We didn't want to fight him. They were not going to do it. They they were like, you know, it's just not something they felt comfortable doing. So they were hoping that the trainer would fix the issue completely and so they put the sock down the trainer was prepared to fight him and the dog ate the sock (laughs) 
I'm laughing now because it 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 was completely avoidable, completely avoidable. But the dog swallowed the sock hole, and we got the dog to throw up. They went to the vet. The dog was fine. He grew up absolutely insane. He loved swimming. But point being, for whatever reason, that dog decided it was better to swallow than fight. That's only one outcome from trying to fight your dog. Another outcome could be your dog losing it and biting you more or creating more of a parameter, a perimeter, sorry, where you can't come closer. Right? If they say, all right, well, he's going to fight me at three feet, I'm not going to let him get to three feet. I'm going to fight him at 10 feet. Oh, he's going to fight me at 10 feet? Fine, I'm going to go 20 feet. And now you've, you've, you've taught them to be more on guard, more stressed, more aggressive because you decided to fight him. Okay. The problem with resource guarding is there is a lack of trust. That is the, the, the bare bones of it. There is a lack of trust that you are going to steal their item, their thing. They are afraid, right? They're afraid you're going to take their thing. Again, going back to the soldier example, they are afraid that somebody will come here and instill fear amongst their family, friends, and loved ones. So instead of letting them get that far, they're going to them. Okay. So we have to build the trust. How do we do that? First, you're going to start rewarding your dog. I know what you're thinking. Rewarding? Rewarding your dog for simply existing and letting you exist near them. You're not leaning towards them. You're not looking at them. You're not doing anything. You are rewarding them for being okay with your presence. Whatever the distance is, add two feet. You need to build up the confidence for them to be okay with it, whether it's a toy, whether it's a treat. Now, what most people will say is, oh, well, my dog won't give up for treats. Great. Wonderful. You haven't tried enough treats. That, that is the simple answer. You have not tried enough treats, right? You could try hot dogs, cheese, cold cuts, meatballs. You could get expensive things. You could get cheap things. You could cook your own chicken. You could use their food. And by the way, if you're starting any training regimen, you should always reduce your dog's intake by 10%. Figure out whatever that is for your dog. Reduce it just a little bit, if you don't want to do exactly 10%, just to get them slightly more hungry. I'm not saying starve your dog. I'm not saying work for every single piece of food, although I think that's important in some situations. What I'm saying is reduce their food a little bit so they're slightly more hungry and they're more motivated to trade for food. Oh, well, but what if they're resource guarding food? Great. All you're going to do now is give them something more valuable. So if they're eating regular kibble, you give them wet food. You give them a hot dog. You give them cold cuts. I am sure many, many dogs would much rather eat cold cuts or hot dogs over kibble. Unless you are giving them just bomb kibble. I'm sure they're okay with giving you hot dogs or taking hot dogs and cheese from you over kibble. So, you got to figure out what your dog likes. I believe we have a podcast, if we don't, I'll do one, about the preference testing, which is the first thing you should do besides, <laughs> I always say the first thing you should do in training is this, besides the reducing of the food, I'm sorry, that was a long pause, besides the reducing of the food, you should be doing a preference test to figure out what your dog likes and building up the different tiers of value. Anyway, <laughs> side note apart, 
find out what your dogs like, and just reward them. You could even toss it into the food bowl if you're working with food. You just reward them for being okay with you being there. Then every day you get slightly closer, and I mean half an inch or an inch. If at any point your dog looks stressed, and you got to watch them, okay, they look stressed, their tail may be wagging, may not be wagging. If it's stiff, if their body is stiff, if their ears are stiff, like you got to look at everything, okay, and figure out what exactly is it that is their telltale sign. Some dogs are very classic, and some dogs have their own style. <laughs> it's, the, it's the best way I can put it. Some dogs are super classic with what they display in their tension, in their ears, in their tail, in their face. It's super clear. And some dogs are very good at pretending that everything looks fine until you get too close. And then you don't see it because you're, you're not looking the right way and you're, you're not actually paying attention to their subtle cue. And You could have seen it a lot sooner, but you didn't. So record sessions. Figure out what their little telltale sign is. Never push them to the point where they react. You know you are doing a good job when they are not reacting. I don't know why <laughs> so many people want to push their dog. Don't push them. Don't, especially in this case, especially with aggression, especially with resource guarding, don't push them. You are trying to build trust. If you push them, you break the trust. Imagine spending two months building up trust. And one day you're like, you know what? I've had enough. I'm pushing it. And you push it and you just wasted two months. Don't push it. Build it up slowly. Reward them consistently and a lot. Right? You need a long reinforcement history to build trust. If you push your dog, they are going to fail. And I know for trainers on the internet, it's exciting. It's fun. It gets a lot of clicks to show the bad reaction. But realistically, that should not be the goal. If you say your dog is resource guarding and you can give me all the information I need and you have a video, there's no need for me to tempt your dog in doing it. There just isn't. I was working with a German Shepherd once. He resource guarded the bowl, not the food. He had no problem with the food. You put the food on the floor, he had no problem. He resource guarded the bowl. My first advice was stop feeding him in the bowl. Get rid of the bowl. That's the, that's the easiest answer. Get rid of the bull. That would have solved all their problems. right? It's not, it's not rocket science most of the time. It's animal science, sure. But if the, if the only problem, right? If it, they could say, okay, well, you know, there's the toy and this. and the, If the only problem was that specific bull, get rid of the bull. Okay? But they wanted to work through it. I said, okay, so we put the bull down. And not once did I pressure the dog to the point where they resource guarded for an entire session. This was when I was working at a facility where we rotated trainers. So the first trainer that had them pushed it. They wanted to evaluate and see what was going on. And I said, okay, great. Now we know what's going on. Nobody should push this dog to the point where that's going to happen. I get the dog next. Dog was perfect. For 30 minutes. I was even get two bowls. We were recalling away from the bowl. Right? It, it had no problem. Dog had no problem. Third session, for whatever reason, the next trainer wanted to test it because of the notes that I wrote down and how good the dog was. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I'm not going to say who it is. I'm sure they know who they are if they're listening. Hi. <laughs> if you're listening, hello. <laughs> if you want to call me, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but, right, so 
Why would you do that? Why would you push the dog past the point of success? You want to keep them successful. You want to build up their confidence. You want to build the trust between you guys. That German Shepherd had all the trust in the world in me and nobody else. Because every time it happened, every time it happened, they were getting stressed. They were getting pushed. Wouldn't you hate doing it too? It just sounds like a bad time, right? So you want to build up their confidence as much as humanly possible. Don't push them. Super simple. You're just rewarding them for with you being in their presence. You are giving them more than what they're asking for. You stand there at five feet away when their threshold is three and you just reward them. And then you slowly get closer and closer and closer and closer and closer until they have no problem existing in the same space that you are. They have no problem existing. And you can just give them treat after treat. Then you get closer and closer. Then you start tossing the treats into the food bowl. So they go, ooh, if they're closer, I can get something. Now, if you have done obedience, your dog does or, uh, knows a recall. They know how to sit. They know how to down. This is where I would start asking for things while my dog is eating. If your dog isn't responding, wait for them to be done. And then immediately after they're done, ask them to do something. And then you would just make it earlier in the sequence. So they're almost done. Right? And they might finish the food bowl and then do the behavior. That's fine for now. And then you try to do it in the middle of eating, and then you try to do it in the beginning, and then you try to do it before. You should always do it before, but that's another story for another day. So what happens is their brain goes, okay, I know mom and dad are right there. I can see them. I'm okay with them being there because I keep getting all these treats. Oh, now they're asking me to do something. All right, well, I have no reason not to listen. So let me see. So they sit. You give them a treat. Now, you got to be careful with this, right? Because if you lean in to give them a treat and they think that there's a risk of them losing the food bowl or the resource, now they go, okay, well, I don't really like this. So I'm not going to stay in my position. I'm going to go for it. So you might want to toss a treat to the food bowl and then say, okay, or release them from the position, whatever release word you have. This then teaches them to be okay with listening and still getting what they want. So then you just build on it. You might have them sit for a couple seconds and then reward them. You might have them recall to you, which is my favorite, especially in resource guarding cases. I never need to get to the food bowl. If I can call the dog away confidently and with a certain level of success, I can then reward them for coming with me, and then I can get them to keep moving with me away from the thing that they were guarding. And then I can remove the thing they were guarding later. Right? That's what I first did with the German Shepherd I was telling you about. He was guarding the bowl. I was like, all right, I'm not going to fight you about the bowl. I'm just going to make it more exciting over here. And you would walk away. Great. I give you a treat. Now he doesn't care about the bowl. I did it as well with a virtual client. We were talking about it was a tiny little thing that would guard the kid's toys. I said, okay, give it a toy. She gave it a toy. I said, do you think it's in the resource guarding mode? And she was like, uh, yeah, kind of. I was like, okay, great. This is perfect, right? You don't want the dog too aggressive. You just want them in the mindset that maybe, right? And then we can just work on it. If they get too excited, then maybe we have to work, you know, maybe we have to reduce whatever we gave them. So if a toy was too much, maybe we give them a chew. Maybe we give them a less exciting toy, whatever it may be. Right? Maybe you give them a toy with a string on it. Maybe you give them a, a harder toy that they don't really like chewing. You have to find these variables. There's so many different options. So with this dog, she said, well, he really loves cheese. And I was like, great, go to the kitchen open up the fridge, pull out a, a thing of cheese. 
she didn't get further than the kitchen gate, if you will, just the, the, the doorway. Okay, clearly there's no door in the kitchen, but the doorway that the dog picked his head up. She then opened the fridge. That dog left that toy and went straight to the fridge to see what she was getting. She said, he's never done that before. And I said, have you ever tried it before? And she said, no, I usually panic and I try to take the thing from him. I was like, yeah, why, right? Why would he leave the thing if you're going to steal it? I said, well, you're not trying to steal it. You're not trying to fight him. I kid you not, the next three days, that's all she did. Every time he had something, she just went to the fridge. She even added a word to it saying, I think she said, let's go. And then she went to the fridge. And yes, he picked up toys in order to get access to the fridge. That did happen. We then focused on that afterwards. But in three days, this dog stopped guarding the toy. He just wanted the toy and would show it to her to be like, ooh, can I get a piece of cheese? And then we just worked on, okay, well, you can't do that all the time. But the dog practically was okay with not having the item anymore because that wasn't as important as getting the cheese. So I also talked about how we can we can do this long-term So in the beginning, so I want to make sure I hit that. I don't want to go too far into things today. Maybe we'll do even a, a part two. If you guys like this episode, let me know. Maybe we'll do a part two of resource guarding. So how do we keep this from happening long-term? Simply put, we start implementing the best practices possible all the time. Never steal anything from them. Get them to work for all their food. Give them more than they asked for. Always give them something in return, especially if they give you something. So if you if they give you a toy, right, they were just playing with it, you come over, you give them a treat as you take the toy, put some peanut butter on the toy, give it back to them. Right? There should always be multiple of something before you finally take something away. So if I had a ball and I take the ball and I hide it, now my dog goes, well, I'm not going to give you the ball anymore because you always hide it on me. But if I take the ball and I give it right back, and then I take the ball and I give it right back, and I take the ball and I give it right back, and then I take the ball and I put it away a random number of times every time, then my dog goes, okay, well, I don't know when you're going to put it away, but more often than not, you're going to give it back to me. So I kind of like giving it to you. This is why dogs that love fetch, love fetch. 99% of the time, you're throwing the ball every time. Imagine if you threw the ball once, took it, and put it back in your pocket. They're going to be like, well, screw this. I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go chew in the corner, right? And then you go to take it from them and they run away from you. How cl- how classic is that? Oh, well, I chased my dog around because they think I'm going to steal it. Absolutely, they, th- you think, they think you're going to steal it. Absolutely. Because you've stolen it in the past. And it becomes a fun game at that point. Ooh, chase me around. This is great, right? That's a, a subset of resource guarding, but it's not full resource guarding. It's just they want the thing. And they think it's fun for you to chase them. So long term, you have to build in those practices. Never steal anything from them. Always give them more than what they ask for. Do obedience around those exciting things. Recall them away. Just make this a general practice in life. Okay? You can even practice body handling, which if you go back to our puppy biting episode, and maybe we'll do a full episode just on body handling, go back and listen to that. We talk about body handling and how to make sure your dog doesn't develop resource guarding and how to make sure they're okay with being handled and manipulated and moved around. That's a wonderful practice for a dog that guards because they're okay with being handled and touched. They're okay with it. They're comfortable with it. They can tolerate it. 
which means in a situation where they're going to guard something, you can touch them, you can move. And they're like, okay, well, I know that I get good things when I get touched, when I get handled and manipulated. I get good things. So there's no reason for me to resource guard against something good. It just wouldn't make sense. Thank you for listening, guys. I really do appreciate it. Please share what your thoughts are on the podcast on social media, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all the good stuff. If you're not following us on any of those, please do. And if you like what we provide, the content that we give out, let me know if you have any questions, comments, concerns, good jokes, all the good stuff. I want to make sure that I give you guys the content that you're looking for and that you want. I want to answer your questions in the best way that I can. So thank you again, and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador Canine. You can also head over to Matador Canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors. Reach the goals that you want and have the dog that always listens. Thank you.